Hey, what's up? This is Mr. Bill. Uh, I don't have any show announcements this week, but if you could go to the Apple Podcast app and rate, comment, and subscribe, that would be sick for reasons I do not understand, but do it anyway. Thanks. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. cool we're recording um yeah man what's up how you doing i'm good man just been working on a lot of tunes taking some breaks from shows so yeah just been chilling here uh working on a ton of shit working on some shit with you mm-hmm. uh, fucking making music with hudson got that inspected release uh down tempo ep uh Tons of random shit. I'll probably never finish. I would probably hold the mic, not at the cap. Not at the cap. Yeah, yeah I would probably that, hold is the that mic. better. Yeah, there's this funny thing. I feel like it comes from like maybe the metal scene or something where people like cup the mic like in their hands and shit. But if you actually listen to recordings of what like everything sounds like when you like cup mics in your hands, it, it sounds all fucking. Yeah, it just sounds terrible. <laughs> like that's literally square waves of distortion right there. Good luck with that one, sound editor guy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so you might know the sound editor guy. His name's Robert Fumo. He he like worked with Bass Gorilla for a long time. That sounds familiar, actually. Yeah, have you? Cool Bass Gorilla apparently traded hands because I'm doing a thing for them next month, I think, too. Yeah, they asked me to as well, but I don't think it's going to work out. I don't think there's any reason. You have your whole fucking. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, a lot of people, I think, ask me to do stuff for their websites and their YouTube channels and their companies and whatnot. And unless it's something super fucking big like Splice or yeah. something like that, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. You're like, bro, I Dude, you gotta hold the mic. Invented YouTube tutorials. I'm so bad with microphones. <laughs> just hold it like just hold it right in here. front of your face. Okay. And then I usually just like hold my elbow and then it just kinda like stays. You literally sit like this for the whole podcast? Yeah. All right, cool. I have a... Uh, what would a like Buddhist level sitting skills, dude? You gotta get a fucking mic stand, dog. <laughs> Well, I can't travel with mic stands, and I need to be able to do the podcast while I travel, right? Okay, yeah. Right. So, I just kind of like... I mean, out. I'm literally sitting in front of a mic stand. I could just... It's too late, though. <laughs> it's too late for that, man. <laughs> you were busy smoking weed. Yeah, I know. Priorities. <laughs> so, I wanted to talk about your sketchy tweets. My sketchy tweets? Okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. You have two in particular that I think are like super interesting. S- super sketchy? Yeah, they're kind of sketchy. Okay, hit me with them. Do you want me to start with the more sketchy one or the less sketchy one? Well, let's just get the more sketchy one out of the way. <laughs> right. So the more sketchy one was where you're like, uh, chopping rhythm doubles is as easy as chopping carrots and pissed off the entire room. Oh my community. God. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I was just fucking around on Twitter. And uh, well, here's something I noticed about Twitter is that it's basically the opposite approach that I take to music. It's like purely a, a quantity over quality type of game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when I was trying to figure out like, oh, what what is successful on Twitter? It's mostly just uh, bullshit. Just utter bullshit. Just shitting on people, memeing on shit. 
And so I was like, all right, well, I'll just meme on some people. And then immediately regretted that (laughs) because it was, I think it was not taken well at all. It wasn't taken as a joke. It was taken as like a fucking slight, like, oh, you fucking elitist think you're like better than rhythm is. I mean, so yeah, it it became a thing (laughs) for sure. Do do you think that you're better than rhythm? Uh, I don't think I'm better than rhythm, but I definitely get pretty bored of rhythm. <laughs> yeah, musically, it's not the most interesting. But honestly, like, um, that's kind of the point of it, though. It's like suppose it's like I get bored of rhythm in the same way that I get bored of psytrance. Yeah, it's like a formulaic thing that's just you know set up, and like it seems like almost the entire genre is based around the setup for the punchline and the punchline is always sort of the same the same fucking thing yeah like but that's by design right the yeah. whole idea is to like mix as many and and then like the whole djing thing actually contrary to that suite it's like if you're djing rhythm you actually have this opening now to do way more with the djing because everything is structured for that you mm-hmm. know what i mean so like you can do what some of these guys do and play like you know, fucking 10 songs at once and cut between them and actually like make that work. But to me, that kind of speaks to how little creativity there is throughout. Because if you could actually play 10 of these fucking songs against each other and it works, like that, there's some inherent format being followed somewhere way down the line there that's like very strict. Kind of, but here's the thing is like you can do that also with like tipper tunes. You just have to find the right tunes and it's actually really difficult to find two tunes that will drop over one another and not interfere with one another too too much. Like for instance, the one I showed you the other day of Grass Rat and that unreleased resonant yeah, language tune. Yeah. It and I mean it, it just took me having known both of your tunes quite well to be able to think like, oh, that would probably work together. Well, and that's I, like a layered drop though. Uh, dude literally so that's exactly what when you're talking about like chopping rhythm tunes together doubles is basically what you're referring to and that's like is it yeah i'm thinking like literally like crossfader just like switching between two fucking songs or any like four so however many and you just like switch it on the snare Mm -hmm. is that not what that is I mean, yeah, like that's what chopping is, but you still have to find drops that work together. I, I definitely used to be reductive about this as well mentally until I like tried to do it. And like lately in my sets, I've been doing more doubles and more chopping and shit like that. But I've been trying to do it with bass music. And I've like, usually what I'll do is I'll take some like heinous fucked up rhythm track and try and layer it over something more interesting or just with more yeah. elements happening like my own music. Just sort of like, a make it more fun to play in a set but b just like make it sound more modern and relatable to kids who are going to be at the shows that i'm playing recently which is like you know for instance i'm playing tomorrow with peekaboo and last week i played with dirt monkey so these kids are like kind of used to that more standard that format yeah so but it's actually quite fucking difficult i've found to to find even simple rhythm tunes that all seem to follow the same format that will go over bass music tunes. So. First of all, with that tweet, that's it's not like that's a position I even like really hold or give a shit about because I've never tried chopping rhythm. I don't even fucking have a single rhythm song mm-hmm. on my thumb drive. You know what I mean? Like, I have no idea. And I'm sure that there's, if you actually get down to it, I'm sure it's a ton of fucking work to go and actually figure out where you're going to map. Like, oh, I need to know that like, 
the song like this song does this right here so i can't cut it there so like i need to know like to do this song at this moment for mm-hmm. the, you know like i'm sure there's a whole thing to it yeah um, it's it's definitely yeah it's definitely more artful i think than you give it credit for so, well yeah and that's the thing like i i think everyone took what i said as like oh he just thinks that everyone who makes dubstep is like a fucking talentless scrub it's hard to not think that though when you just say like oh chopping rhythm is as easy as chopping (laughs) carrots because you literally likened it to something that anyone can do yeah totally well i think at its core it is something anyone can do but it's not necessarily any something anyone can do well and i think dj is is the same thing as a whole so is like like programming right like anyone anyone can learn how to write javascript but it's like takes a lot of work to learn how to write javascript and do it well in a meaningful way yeah, yeah. exactly like, well and that's exactly and I, that's how i feel about it i don't know there's like a and i've seen a lot of videos of it where it's literally just some dude playing two songs that are almost exactly the fucking same song and mm-hmm. just tra- and i've done that before even with non-rhythm rhythm tunes it's just like switching between the the kick and snare like okay right here i'm gonna just like cut to this other track like that's a that's a thing and it works but it's also really fucking easy to do you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. i i think yeah sometimes you find tunes that that just works for but when there's an entire genre where you can almost always assume it's just going to be like for like 99 percent of them you can just like i mean maybe not 99 percent of them but you know like some vast majority of them are going to have this thing where you can easily just do that and it'll work. But I mean, I think in most bass music, there's a kick on the one and a snare. Yeah, totally. Thing, right? So you could, totally, you could do that. Like I was chopping halftime is just as easy as fucking. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's not. Mm. It's not to say that like. I wonder if you said it about halftime, if people would have gotten as pissed off. I don't think so. Because there's just maybe a not as many people. Making... Nobody gives a fuck about halftime. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think no one cares about halftime? They, I mean, they're starting to. I don't know. Dubstep is just this very like. It's been around for so long, you know what I mean. So if you fuck, yeah, with I mean, dudes, I feel it's like like a whole thing. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I feel like dubstep was kind of a thing when I was sort of twenty, and then when I was like twenty-two to twenty-five, it was not a thing at all. And then all of a this sudden, this is in Australia or here in Australia. Okay, yeah, yeah, there was like a dubstep scene for sure when I was like eighteen to twenty, and it was like mostly deep shit, like distance and chest plate records shit. And um, it was also like around the time that 16-bit released Chainsaw Calligraphy, which is like old school. Yeah, really good, yeah, basically. Yeah. And then um, it just disappeared, I feel like, for like four, four or five years. What years were those? <clears throat> um, pretty much like the, I don't know, it was basically this like crater between the chess plate record shit and then when Skrillex came about. So like before 2012? Yeah, so it would have been like 2008 to 2012. Like it seemed like dubstep went away during those years from at least around the crowds that I was around. See, this is probably also why I have this like weird thing for dubstep because it's never not been a thing here. Like here, Denver specifically has always been this fucking like. But I mean, were you like really into electronic music pre Skrillex? No. Not at all. That yeah. was really like around, like Skrillex. 2012 is around. The t- so like I can't really speak to before that, but yeah. I know for a fact that by the time I got into dubstep in Denver, like I was fucking late to the party. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, for sure. I, I felt like I was late to the party when I got into it in 2008. Really? And then it disappeared, and I was like, oh, I guess it didn't work, and it's done. But then Skrillex like reinvented it, basically. Right, because it used to just be like you're talking like screaming banger era shit. Right? Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Rusco. 
Yeah. Like fucking woo boost shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe even before that, actually. <laughs> when was that? Was that even... It was That old. was like 2008, I thought. Yeah, it might have been. Um, Yeah, it was a long time ago. Definitely when Chainsaw Calligraphy like just came out was when I was into dubstep. Damn. I don't exactly know what year that was. Maybe 2010 or something. Um, Yeah, cool. Uh, all right, well... I don't know. I feel like halftime was going to get cool there for a sec when Noisier did that halftime album. And then I guess Cohen Sound have always been doing it. Culprit's been doing it. And they all do it super well. But I also feel like to some degree, like no matter how well the Noisier shit is produced and the Culprit stuff is produced and whatnot, it just doesn't... um, It's like... I won't say that it has like shitty songwriting or bad songwriting but it's definitely weaker songwriting to rhythm in my opinion like rhythm is just such a clear fucking presented idea well it's been around for way longer rhythm i mean dude no rhythm is really just a rebrand of fucking dubstep uh yeah i mean kind of but it's a little more simplified than dubstep i think yeah definitely. i think sound design wise it's more complicated but rhythm wise it's way simpler right it's just like super reduced down but yeah yeah that, but that's the thing right is it's almost like they've taken all the shit that worked about dubstep removed all the shit that didn't and then put it on steroids and like that's kind of what it is yeah it's like this really refined song idea halftime hasn't gone through that yet right yeah nobody gives a shit about it still in the same way yeah maybe they never will it's like halftime needs a skrillex it's almost well because there's this interesting thing of like uk halftime is just to them it's literally halftime like it's halftime drum and bass that's how they think of it but here it's like this hip-hop influence thing and mm-hmm. it's the same tempo but people think of it more like that mm-hmm. and i think that has a huge thing going for it already and so like well, hip- hip-hop has always kind of had a big thing here i think yeah exactly since its inception with like you know people in where was it brooklyn and stuff maybe yeah fucking i mean all over on both coasts, I mean, as far as I, I'm, goddamn, I'm gonna, I have no idea about hip hop history, <laughs> but like, hip hop history with Nolan. <laughs> yeah, God, no, I'm not the one to ask for that, but <laughs> I feel like it's so embedded in the culture here that, like, that's the reason people like copycat, I feel like, because it taps into this like beats thing, but yeah, it also, to me, it sounds like fucking halftime because that's how I, hear it but yeah i would call what he does halftime for sure i think i would class anything between the tempo of like 80 and 100 halftime basically if it's like yeah got like neuro bases it's and, so ambiguous at and this a point. doofy snare and shit <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know yeah and it's just got that that erosion layer of noise over everything it's just like the first hit is <laughs> that's how it's that's a neuro yeah yeah that's well see that's the thing that's kind of like the equivalent of the massive vst wub in 2008 right is the erosion sine wave neuro oh in 2020 dude honestly and i mean as much as i'll shit on any genre for its tropes like oh my god it's starting it's starting to get bad like it's starting to sound exactly the fucking same neuro yeah i would agree time. like i can click through uh i won't even like mention labels but i'm on a few labels promo lists and they'll send me some shit and i'll click through the whole album really quickly and just be like yeah everything is just like (laughs) 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 like literally just Uh, a a doofy snare and a bunch of erosion white noise yeah man it's kind of sad but i mean it's also good because that just means that that happens to every genre right like yeah i mean it it means more people are doing it Right, yeah. And then eventually, hopefully, it goes through some, like, metamorphosis and comes through the other side, a stronger genre or something. Nah, I think it's just, like, there's always going to be... I mean, 
it's the same as dubstep, right? Like there's some people who are really fucking good at it and making like incredible dubstep. And then you have like the majority of it, which is just super mediocre. Mm -hmm. Any genre, I'd say that's true for the most part, because you just get more people doing it. So you get a few that are really good and then you get just everyone else. Yeah, I suppose. Um, or it's a, like kind of a preference thing too. You just have like your top 5% preference of, of the artists in that genre. Right. Versus, but I don't know, maybe there is some like objectiveness to it. Like what is objective? Oh God, good? are we going to get into this right now? Oh, dude, we're gonna get, <laughs> we haven't even hit the second I sketchy know. tweet yet. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I, I would say when I say someone who's really good, I just mean somebody who's like refined the tropes out to the point that like you can't, they have their own voice with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's certain people who it's really hard to rip them off because it's not the sounds. It's not like one thing. Yeah. It's like just, Tipper basically. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. You can't like make a tune that sounds with sounds like his without it, everyone just being yeah. like, Oh great. Tipper sounds almost as good as Dave. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> yeah. Good point. Um, Cool. Do you want to talk about the second sketchy tweet? All right, what's the second sketchy tweet? Um, so the, actually, the second one was brought to my attention by Dave. Uh, oh, God. We were chatting the other day, and he was like, ah, that tweet by Nolan was pretty funny. Uh, it was um, mixing, not being able to mix down your tune as like a whole aesthetic these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not the worst tweet. <laughs> that's not the worst tweet, but I mean... It doesn't I hit anyone specifically, you know, it's nice and yeah, yeah. I figured out the strat. <laughs> You just can't target anyone. <laughs> just don't target a group of people that, yeah. But sure. you know who you are. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. I was thinking about this on the on the car ride here because I was like, oh, we're going to talk about it. Oh, I'm going to bring it up. So I wanted to like think about how I felt about it. And I think um, whenever anybody sends me a tune, if I think it's badly mixed, I always just assume that that's what they tried to do. Like I always just assume that. Really? Yeah, I never assume that it's because they can't mix or because they're bad at mixing or because their setup's bad or whatever. I always just assume like they must have just wanted it to sound this way, and I don't necessarily agree that that's a good sounding song or like the mix down is not how I would do it. I don't know. I always just give people the benefit of the doubt that they meant to do that, and I think that comes honestly from doing so many collabs. Yeah, because it's always different. Well, what happens a lot in collabs is someone will do something. I'll be like, oh, cool. Um, obviously, you weren't able to execute that. I think I'm able to execute what you're trying to do better. And I'll just change it into what I think they were trying to do or a better version of what they were trying to do. And then quite often, like maybe 50% of the time, the person will be like, no, that was exactly how I wanted it. And it's like, <laughs> you exactly wanted it to sound that shitty. Oh, and, my God. And they're yeah. like, yeah, yeah. And I was, and then I just have to sort of bring myself to a place of like, all right, well, I just have to accept that you have a shitty ear. And, and just like well okay but i'd say but i could see that's i like that about collaboration i like the fact that you have to just compromise like compromise on that yeah you just have to come to these points of acceptance and you, you end up with these tunes that you never would have ended up with otherwise and shit when you first say your perspective on that is that it's a, a creative decision for collaborative stuff maybe because to me if you're collaborating with somebody you're like kind of that comes with the assumption that you think they know what they're doing right like sometimes yeah (laughs) maybe not but for me it's like i would only write music with people Mm -hmm. who like you know like i trust them to fucking write a good thing Mm -hmm. so it's like if they make a decision even if i wouldn't do it i would still be like okay i like that decision you know what i mean but if for the perspective i'm thinking of is when i teach specifically it's almost always people coming and being like help why does this sound fucked you know what i mean or just like 
give me feedback on this. And I'll be like, this mix sounds weird for this reason. They'll be like, how do I fix that? And maybe that's, that's definitely just my opinion on some level. But, um, I would say through that process, I found that almost everyone can't hear their shit properly at all. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they just can't hear the problem. Like No, no. Like they're referencing it on some garbage. Like I'll be like, send me a picture of your setup. And it's just like some KRKs next to a fucking wall in the corner with like no treatment. So there's like some crazy resonances happening. Yeah. And it's like, there's just, they're just literally not hearing the same thing. But even still, like, I mean, when I was in my studio, like, uh, at Doghouse, and the setup was like perfect. It was like a completely flat responding room with a low RT60 and like crazy amount of treatment. And like, it sounded super good. And like, you know, the soundstage was perfect. Like everything about the room was like from my acoustician's perspective, who's like, you know, works with the guy who literally wrote the book on mastering Bob Katz and like teaches at full sale and shit like that. Even he was like, he, he, he gave that room, like, this is a perfect room, like sign off. And even still I would send tracks to people and people on shittier setups, like your setup, for instance, or like, you know, my friend Cooper in LA, who's just, I think he's also got the vocals, um, who writes music as all the style or, you know, I would just like send send it to people and they'd be like, oh, there's this weird like thing that I can hear on on your kick or something. And then I would like listen to it on headphones and be like, oh, weird. I can hear it in headphones, but I can't hear it on my like amazing fucking barefoot. Oh, I always thought that room is weird because it feels like I know what you're talking about because I like the imperfection of these speakers because they mm-hmm. sound like they make me want to make music and they're definitely not perfect. They definitely mm-hmm. have like these fucking sub cannons on them that are a little bit (laughs) excessive you know Mm -hmm. and like the room's not perfect and all that but when i'd write music in your room it's like i can't the second you put a distortion or like boost something it just like sticks out it doesn't seem to like i don't know encompass the sound it's difficult well i think it just like makes everything way more obvious so it's, it's, it's difficult to get stuff sounding good as easily as you can on worse speakers but it makes the mix down easier because at the end, everything is the, all the problems are so obvious. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, but you're still even without that. So, cause you have a new setup now. Do you like your new setup more? I think so. Just because, um, it's more of like a, I, I think your point of saying you prefer a setup like this to ride on versus a setup like my street, my old studio is valid. And I definitely think I prefer the same, like I prefer a shittier setup to ride on. And right. maybe a nicer setup to like master Fix or mix everything. On. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I think it's way easier to write music on a worse sounding setup because, yeah. It, but there's a cutoff there where it's like, as soon as you get to a certain threshold of shitty, it's like, you're now fucked. Yeah, like you're now unable to hear like issue. But So here's the thing is like, when I was writing music in Spain, I was writing music on Encanti setup for like two weeks. And literally he lives in like this classic Spanish house with like all tiled floors and like half the walls are tiled as well. Right. So I was literally basically writing music in a bathroom with M (laughs) M audio speakers. And it was like the worst shit ever, man. Like it was so reverberant and fucked. But I wrote a tune in there that Tipper played in New Orleans and I didn't remix it in my studio and I didn't remaster it or anything. Like literally the version I wrote in that room and the render I got out of that room, Tipper played it. Yeah, but I also think there's a certain level of like you've written on a lot of good setups. So you're just like, yeah, like the awareness is there or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. A lot of these people who I think have sketchy mix downs, it's like they've literally never even heard music 
properly in a right. studio. Yeah. And I guess like being able to read meters is like good as well. But that is true. Like once you've written music, I think in a bunch of good studios, when you write music in a shitty studio, you're like, oh, I know that sub is going to like come out super hard on. Like, yeah. You uh, like understand at least yeah. what everything's doing. Yeah. And you can like sort of, you get these phantom images of the high end and the low end that you might not have had without writing music on good setups before or something. Well, right. Cause even upgrading to the focals from the Mackies, like the high end was so fucked on those Mackies and like being able to actually hear it on these speakers, even if I go back and write music on Mackies or like any, you know, comparable speaker, it's like, I know that I shouldn't be shelfing the fuck out of everything to compensate for the speaker being bad you know like shelfing the highs up yeah oh man i do that shit on my barefoots even i mean i do too but if i listen to my old music compared to the music i've written on these it's like hard, it like hurts you know it's well not that's like, where soothe comes in i feel like oh yeah soothe you can kind of dude it's so sick they just really soothe too yeah i was gonna ask you about that what i haven't used actually? it yet but, oh um, yeah yeah, so I've literally just been building sets the last few weeks. I haven't like worked on music that much. That's why I like gave all the project files from this new EP to collaborators, and I was like, "You work on them, and then hand them back." Basically, after this weekend, and I'm totally free to work on it for like two weeks. Perfect. Um, but yeah, Sooth Two looks fucking sweet. They've Do basically you, yeah. redone the engine, so I think it's gonna cause way less latency. Okay. Which on my setup, it hasn't really been causing latency anyway, so I'm not stressed about it. Is that all they um, changed? No, I think they changed some other shit too. Like they, it looks a little better. <laughs> it looks a little nicer. I think also before Suze only did like one thousand hertz and up. I think now it does like the full frequency spectrum. Oh, okay. Um, which is kind of cool. I guess if you want to remove like resonances out of your bass and shit like that. Um, I think there's like some different sensitivity settings and stuff like that, maybe. But yeah, it looks pretty sick. I really should get it. It does. Honestly, it's like a must-have for me. Yeah. It, it makes but it, it also un- makes everything really clean, you know? Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of what you want, right? Like, mm, how, how much time... kind of what you want. <laughs> how much time do you spend in your mix down, like, notching resonances out of stuff? Mm, a fair amount of time, but not as much time as I spend building those resonances, if that makes sense. Right, like, build, like making the resonances exactly how you want them or whatever. Well, just, like, fucking ruining things until I like it. Like, I spend right. more time making shit worse than I spend fixing it. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed you have, like, a pretty destructive process where, like, you'll just sort of keep reprocessing a sound until it comes out the other side good rather than being like, oh, maybe I should have just done a Started, different thing, yeah. the, the last process or something. Yeah, because I feel like you can always... I've started to realize, this, especially even working with you, it's like a sound is just an effects rack at the end of the day yeah i i think so i think the pro like sound design is mostly in processing yeah so you can take pretty much like a sine wave anything yeah, yeah and just like get something out of it you know what i mean yeah it's funny sometimes my processing racks will get so intense that it literally doesn't even matter what i'm feeding into it it'll just sound the same like you can yeah <laughs> you totally. can feed in like a, you're just hearing the rack at that yeah, point exactly but it's that's just, a good spot to be in kind of yeah <laughs> i mean because you can just start feeding it a ton of shit and then you have just like a sound from the rack and then you just delete it and make a new one. Right. Yeah, do you do that often? Do you save like a bunch of effect racks and a never. bunch of... You just never... Almost never. I'll save okay. instrument racks, but for effect racks, I build them for every sound mm. because of that exact problem. Because otherwise it all just starts to sound the same. 
Right. But, but I think like um, your music generally has like a very unique sound to it anyway. So it's like, I mean, it, it all sounds like squelchy and yeah, just neuro. It's all so fucked that it's hard <laughs> to distinguish. You know what I mean? Well, no, I would actually say your music's fairly clean, like especially in comparison to rhythm and shit like that. Well, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean like the sounds are just so abstracted that it's like to get another crazy sound isn't going to stand out really. It's just going to sit with all these other kind of fucking really crazy sounds you know there's no way to like break out of you know like when i put one of my sounds next to your sounds it really contrasts it Mm -hmm. whereas when i have an abyss of granular cuts in a thing already just kind of like blends in against that no matter so i'm always just like all right i can make literally anything and it'll probably sound all right (laughs) yeah in in what sense do you think um a crazy sound is more effective do you think it's more effective to have like a a simple beat with like pretty simple sound design and just sprinkle in a crazy sound here and there or do you think it's more interesting to have just insane sounds constantly i feel like it's almost never as interesting to have crazy sounds all the time yeah i don't think so either i think it's kind of boring to do that well it's hard to do it well it is hard to do it well but i also every time i hear a song like that where it's just insane sound design after insane sound design sound and they're like not really complimenting each other great or anything like that i always just think like what a production wank yeah it's yeah like- <laughs> it's like there's no music to it anymore yeah it's just sounds and that that was one of the problems i struggled with most before i mean recently i've just been trying to put as many like let's put some notes in there you know and mm-hmm. that's always a huge like if you got some notes in there you're already fucking 10 steps ahead of most just like right. neuro sound design skits you know or yeah, it's just they an just, f yeah they just start with a long f and then put it in samplers and pitch bend and it around cut it and pitch bend it yeah and yeah. it just sounds like a soup mm-hmm. uh but i'd say there's like sepa's written some tunes where it's just like the whole thing is just so fucking nuts and all the sounds are just like so like like vocally and like whack and somehow he comes out on the other end with like a riff that makes sense with it right and i think that's like a really good execution of like taming all of these ridiculous sounds to do something cohesive but i feel like almost every time what's effective is just to do something that like makes sense to listen to and then put something crazy at the end of the phrase that's what i usually do i try and make something that makes sense as a like usually i'll try and like if i'm making this style of music anyway i'll usually start with a riff or start with some sort of hopefully good good sounding musical idea before i start decorating it with sound design yeah i feel like a lot of the time producers will start from the other end they'll start like making a lot of sound design before they even start the music thing and i and i feel like that's how you get the soup yeah that's what that's how you just get like a bunch of bullshit whips going on with a shitload of sound design in them that don't really make sense as music yeah exactly and i think that's the you come to realize that the whole challenge is the musical element and that the sounds are kind of like they don't even really matter as much you know well they're just a vessel to carry the musical idea right like they're not the piece of music themselves at the end of the day exactly and people get caught up in that for sure mm -hmm. so do you think the music then is in the notes and the rhythm or in the sound design well it's in all of it but like there are really good songs that have 
just really good notes and rhythm. And there's really good songs that have, I mean, basically just really good sound design and it's not even really music, you know, like. If you had to like take one or the other, like. if, if I like music that sounds like music personally at this point. I think there was a time when I just, if it had good sounds, I was sold. But um, I don't know, the novelty wears off on sounds once you've made a billion cool sounds you're like oh, mm-hmm. well it's just some like random shit <laughs> i think the problem with making stuff too musical like especially with like a lot of upscale stuff um not so much in like the notes and the melodies and and the intricacies of the drop or whatever but more or less um in the arrangements like having these weird like intros that aren't like just straight up 16 or 8 bars or yeah. 32 bars and then these drops that aren't like 16 to 32 bars or whatever, but instead having like, you know, 16 bar drop and then like a one and a half bar like thing and yeah, then the yeah, drop yeah. or whatever. Fucking with and the then, structures of it. Yeah, I think like that fucks it up for DJ sets a bunch, but it, yeah. like, it can be more interesting, I think, to listen to like as a piece of music. But I think it needs to be re-edited to play live sometimes. Well, and that's that's the line you got to ride, right? Is like... Depends well, what you're trying to do. Yeah. Exactly. And you've experienced this fucking more than anyone with your live sets like there's only a certain amount that you can break down conventional structure Mm -hmm. before people are like i don't fucking care anymore yeah and well what i found is people care mostly about eight bar chunks yeah i found like it really like adding extra bars and shit like that as like creative choices in a live set really doesn't make any sense yeah it really just fucks the setup honestly right people like to know that like it's almost like they need to feel like they trust you as a dj to drop the thing at the right time and if you keep not doing that they're like i don't trust you anymore i'm not dancing fuck you yeah yeah (laughs) like every time i try and dance i look like an idiot because of you exactly (laughs) because that's what it is it's like the whole thing is just a conduit for dancing in some sense like literally that's all it is i disagree with that on some level and i try to challenge that with my music more than the majority of people are willing to you know like my sets definitely have a lot of moments of just like what the fuck is going on because i want that but then in order to get away with that you have to also give them the obvious like okay there's gonna be a kick and a snare here (laughs) for you know this whole tune just makes sense even though there's weird fills and like weird moments where shit cuts out like everything comes back right on time none of the lengths are weird like everything is very structured and like there's some balance to be found there between like saying fuck that structure i want to do something new and interesting but also not alienating everyone at the same time yeah i've had that thought a few times um just about my music in general where i don't think i'm uh like strong enough of a person emotionally to just have everyone be like fuck that it's too hard it's too challenging to listen to and i'm not also too much on the other side of needing everyone's attention so much that i have to do the exact thing that everyone's doing as well right which i think like you know some people i think find themselves too much on either side you know like maybe in this in the case of say someone like ankle pants i think he just literally doesn't give a shit if anyone likes his music or not yeah or like if anyone likes his sets or not he's just like i think what i'm doing is super interesting and i'm a more validated source than anyone to know whether that's right. the case or not well and, and that makes it better almost even though i don't really it's like not enjoyable it's challenging <laughs> it's super challenging i mean it, it's just musically challenging and it's like 
obviously um theatrically challenging for a lot of people i don't find the theatrics of it challenging like the dick mask and shit i think that's like fine it's funny for me, me the music when he like he has some tracks that are like pretty straight nice techno tracks and shit and i can get into those but then when he starts going too far down like the microtonal hole oh, yeah and like the weird like crazy odd time signature hole i understand why he's doing it it's because he's like really into world music and really into like interesting other cultures and shit and he's trying to like do it in his own way i guess and uh but but yeah i mean he i think he's a case where he's just like i literally don't give a shit if anyone doesn't get this and nobody does uh, some people do but uh, yeah it's definitely less than <laughs> yeah. people who get standard rhythm and stuff definitely like the oh my god his boiler have you watched his boiler room set yeah. on youtube it's mm-hmm. so good just the everyone's just they're really down at first and there's some point where everyone is kind of just like i okay what the fuck is happening and everyone's just kind of sitting there just watching this dude like scream into his fucking he has that like sword microphone that's all mapped out yeah so that has like accelerometers and shit in it so like when he moves it it's around it's crazy honestly yeah his whole body is like covered in accelerometers basically really yeah like his whole suit has <laughs> controllers in it his shoes have controllers in it and when he walks out on stage they trigger these like two samples that sound like a giant walking basically oh my god so when he like walks out from the green room onto the stage that's it, so dope it's like real theatrical and like crazy that's actually a fucking sick idea though honestly it's fucking sweet but yeah it's um yeah it's crazy stuff but then i think you find people completely on the other end of that spectrum where literally all they care about is being popular right? yeah so they'll literally just do like the exact thing that's popular at the anything time. to get and the they'll thing. like yeah. suck all the agents dicks and like you know just be a yeah. mad industry fucking cock. that's a huge part of the culture of the live gigging you know yeah i mean i think there's far shame, less but... people like ankle pants than there is like the oh god yeah yeah. I mean, maybe not, and you just never fucking hear of any of those other people. But uh, yeah, no, I'd say there's like a huge ego-driven side to a lot of it that really frustrates me because I think it like holds back. Like the, the people on both ends like maintain the status quo. Like the people going to the shows want the same fucking thing, and the people playing the shows, not everyone obviously, but just in general, like the people who are just like club DJs and shit, just get off on the attention and just want to play like, you know, top forties of whatever genre that people are into. And I don't know, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. And like, I realized that we care about music infinitely fucking more than most people do. So, and also like the details of the music and all yeah. that. but yeah, like what makes it bad necessarily then if, if the people who are at the club want the thing and the people, Nothing. who are playing the shows are giving the people the thing that they want nothing yeah ultimately same. if you look at it as a business but that to when you look at it as an art that's like the entire problem <laughs> you know like like how is that a problem because it prevents progression in some sense i think that's starting to change even here though. i don't think that's the case i mean i think like these people will do their thing and i think if anything that will like cause rebellion from other people like ankle pants to be like, you know what, I'm going to do like the fucking far opposite, opposite of that. Yeah. And like, I talked to him about this the other day. I was asking him about his set at Wormhole because somebody, like since moving to San Francisco, somebody there was just like, oh man, 
that wormhole set he played here a few years ago when he he opened for Noisier at Wormhole. What? On Halloween. Oh my God. And I was like, dude, that show sounds like it would have been so insane. <laughs> and the person I talked to was like, oh yeah, it was just a little much for people. It was a bit weird. And it, uh, the show, like, I don't know, he didn't really explain it, what happened. So I just asked, uh, sorry, ankle pants. I was like, what, uh, yeah, what happened to that show? <laughs> and he was like, I don't know, it went fine, I thought. <laughs> And then, and then he's like, it sounds like you've got something to tell me about it. I was like, no, someone was just like telling me about the show. They said it was like a bit weird or something. And he was like, weird. Yeah. Cause I'm not a fucking idiot wearing a flat brim hat playing the same music as everyone else. <laughs> and I was like, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> Could you imagine going to wormhole to see Noisia and seeing that? Like if you weren't like aware that that was going to happen, <laughs> what, which I'm sure nobody fucking was. Dude. I think like a lot of people there would have been aware of, of like, ankle pants. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I, I have no idea how many people know about ankle pants, to be honest. I think probably a lot, like, especially because of his boiler room set and especially just because of like, you know, like if he's playing wormhole and 20 people who are going to the show know about it. Like, they're going to be like, dude, you got to see this. Yeah, and like, yeah, explain yeah, yeah, it to yeah. all their friends, right? Totally. <laughs> totally. Which makes me think it would go exactly according to plan. But yeah. I don't know. People get fucking spun. I think it did go according then... to plan. I think the one person I was talking to was just, like, freaked out by it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I wonder what the percentage is of people who go to an ankle pants show and come out the other end being like, oh, man, that was the sickest shit, and become a fan versus people who are just like, that was Disturbed. <laughs> Yeah, like knee therapy and shit. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you a hilarious story. I feel like this is just turning into Ankle Fans podcast now, but like this story is too good to not tell. And I don't think we told it on the one where he was, he was, he's been on my podcast before with Supercilious. Actually, it was like a pretty solid technical conversation. But um, there was this one time he was playing a doof in Australia and some guy who was like tripping on acid way too hard came up to the stage and unplugged his uh, RCAs or whatever while he was playing or just unplugged some of his gear while he was playing and ankle pants chased after him whilst wearing the mask and jumped on this guy and like just started beating the shit out of him whilst wearing the mask. Could you imagine tripping on acid and having him chase after you and beat the shit out of you? Dude. Oh my God. See, I think that's like the worst case scenario of fucking possible yeah that guy's gonna be like scarred yeah no literally because that's my first thought when i see him playing these shows is there's gonna be someone on way too many drugs that like actually like doesn't realize that that's what it is you know what i mean it looks so real (laughs) dude that guy goes fucking hard yeah also don't go fucking unplugging people's gear when they're playing though yeah no there's that's a dick move regardless but um yeah i don't know what was this out of bush doof a bush doof yeah is it a duff or a doof it's a doof (laughs) that was like a combination yeah a doof a doof is that a u or an 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 oo it's two o's yeah a doof that's how american people say it. yeah doof (laughs) (laughs) just sounds wrong when you say freddie todd was like the first person i heard say that because he came to australia in 2012 to do some shows with me and he was like, um, yeah, I'm playing a doof. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, what, what is it again? It's just a, like a rave in the desert, basically, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of like, I guess, I don't know, have you ever been to like a four to five, maybe like a four, three or four hundred person, like small festival in the bush? 
sounds like Moontribe, kind of. Yeah, something like that. Except okay. Australians just do it a little differently. It's way sketchier and like <laughs> way less organized. Wait, sketchier how? So in America, like, um, I think festivals are more of an economy. Like, right. There's more money involved with Even them. Even like, like underground shit like that, though, you mean? I don't know about this one in particular that you're talking about, but um, just the ones that I've been exposed to, even like the smaller ones that are three or 400 people, they just seem way more organized. Yeah, totally. You go to Australia and it's like literally some dude will send you a text on your phone being like, you got to go to this tree that looks like this and turn left and then like drive for a while until yeah. you see a balloon and then turn right there or something. That's what Moon Tribe is. But yeah, I yeah, think yeah. those are a rare, more of a rare thing. There are way more just like legit small festivals here. That yeah. have like staff and like fucking is an actual event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like an yeah, it's a legit event with yeah. like yeah. In Australia, you go and, and it'll literally just be like one sub and like two tops in the middle of the bush with like yeah, hundred yeah. people just sitting in front of it on like heinous amounts of acid. That's so proper though. It's kind of sick. Like, I, is it psytrance? Yeah, it's just psytrance for like three days straight and nothing else. And if you play anything else, like they get mad. <laughs> that's actually very similar to moon tribe then you should go you're close so do you go to la ever uh yeah i sometimes yeah, actually i've been really liking la for like the last few times i've been there and i actually specifically think i might move there at some point yeah it's tight i really like going there you should definitely go it's just out in the fucking desert head up Dela and go party <laughs> so is this a techno festival it's uh it's Calling it a fest, it's like a one night thing. They have one that's a few days. A lot of doofs are just one night. Yeah, as well. yeah. It's just like a on the full moon, you get like an email, with like some coordinates, and then yeah, yeah follow some fucking yeah. And the reason they hunt. do that is like obviously so it doesn't get shut down basically by cops, right? Yeah. Well, I think actually now that because this has been around for so long that, and I am not, and I don't really fucking know that much about. It. I've only been the one time, but I think that they have like a thing with the cops now where they just kind of like let it happen like pay them basically maybe i don't fucking know but they just kind of let it because no nothing ever really goes wrong um, so apparently that's a thing that happens a lot like I, i've been talking to a friend who put on like quite a big event uh last new year's eve um in the bay area and he was saying that to put on that event he had to basically pay the cops like a thirty thousand dollar fee to just leave the event alone. Otherwise, they just would have like constantly raided it. <laughs> yeah, they just would have been constantly searching it and shutting it down and like fucking. Oh, is this? Uh, yeah. Oh wait, are we not supposed to? I mean, it's probably fine, but like we'll edit that out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, basically, he had to apparently pay the council and the police like this just shitloads of money to basically leave them alone to not fuck with them. Well, yeah. I mean, I played that shit and it was surreal because they <laughs> actually fucking didn't do anything about it. Like we literally yeah, well, that's why because they basically got, Yeah, well it makes sense because we literally fucking at the end of the like after Dave played the sunrise thing on the last day of it, so like it was like six or seven AM and the whole thing's clearing out, there was just like a row of like ten cops standing by the door. It was a fucking free-for-all in this place. It was like a legit warehouse party, but with thousands of people crammed into this spot. Fuck. And like <laughs> That's crazy. all these wooks just pouring out around these cops, just being like, thanks guys, take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, Jesus. I don't know, man. I mean, that makes, I was always wondering how the fuck they pull that off, but. Uh, yeah, I think that's generally how that happens. Like, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'm just 
assuming here, but I'm pretty sure like these huge events like Base Center and shit might be similar. Like I, I've heard that when Lauren Base Nectar goes into a city to play a show, they have to like tell the council basically that he's coming to play a show and stuff like that. Oh, dude. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be the same even for the tip events, like for everything, because people are just doing drugs so openly in these places. It's and not it's even like, that. I mean, how the fuck? I think at that level, especially at Base Nectar's level, it's like, hey, we're bringing like a whole nother town's worth of people to your yeah. town. And especially when he does it in small towns like Greensboro, North Carolina, it's like, yeah. it's like, yo, prepare your airport, bro. Like, <laughs> Dude, well, seriously, I, I think there's a legitimate thing of like, we will just look the other way because you're going to make so much fucking money for our city right now. Right, exactly. Or just charge them a bunch of money like you're gonna pay us a bunch of money yeah yeah totally but either way it's like the amount of like hotels that are gonna be booked out and like people buying food plane tickets all that shit it's like yeah they want it there because it generates a ton of money kind of i mean i i kind of think the reason why lauren keeps doing base center events in different places is because he keeps maybe getting kicked out of town well dude he just doesn't fucking care like he'll just play shit so loud yeah and like I know that he's not allowed to do Red Rocks. That's what, I mean, that's what I've heard. I don't know if that's no, true. No, yeah, he he was like, fuck the sound ordinance and just, bro- like, he actually and kind then, of ruined Red Rocks a little bit. Yeah, and then he'll just, like, pay the fee or whatever. Yeah, because now everything's quieter at Red Rocks. It's not even bad, though, honestly. No, it's pretty fucking, like... It's still plenty loud. It's very loud. <laughs> it doesn't need to be louder, which really speaks to how loud he must have had it that night. I mean, I wasn't there, but... Yeah. Goddamn. I've heard, like, rumors, too, where they're like, he did damage to one of the rocks. It's like... Bro. No, are you fucking serious? It's like a little bit of sub. I don't think it's going to take down that giant rock. <laughs> Dude, kids are going to be going deaf from that shit, though, for sure. That's what I think, too. I think like Base Nectar and Excision's audiences. I um, have no idea. I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, sure. Some of them are probably wearing ear protection, but I, I'm pretty sure the majority probably aren't. And yeah, I'm pretty sure that like they're probably going to be quite deaf. Dude. Because, I, I mean, think about how deaf, like, old people are yeah. now. And they and didn't have any of that shit. The sound systems back in the day were nowhere near as loud as they are now. And especially not as much sub. And the music wasn't produced as anywhere near as densely. Yeah. Like, it's like straight up air cannons. Just yeah. Pointed at you. <laughs> and uh, I... It stresses me out, man. It really does. Because I used to go, when I was first into this shit, and I'd go and see, like, Skrillex at First Bank Center... I'd go like front row to that shit, no earplugs, and my ears would be like ringing the next day. That's and fair. we'd just be like, sick concert, huh? <laughs> <laughs> now I look back on that and like my my ears aren't too, too bad, but I definitely have like a slight ringing there all the time. Dude, my ears are pretty fucked from doing the same thing, like going to a lot of doofs with no ear protection and sitting, <laughs> listening to Psytrance for like days at a time yeah dude. Um, so like you. i'll have these this thing happen to me sometimes where i'll just be sitting in my studio and all of a sudden one of my ears will just go and just like start ringing and it'll, i'll like lose my balance a little bit and shit yeah. and i'll have to like because it'll fuck up my equilibrium because one ear fucks out and i'll have to like stop whatever i'm doing and just sit and wait for it to like reset go away yep uh, i've had that shit like 20 30 seconds and then i'm like all right i'm good and then i turn it down a bit <laughs> i think that happens to a lot of people though i don't I, even... i've heard a few people say that especially producers i've heard yeah. a lot of people say that that happens that's also yeah it's probably super biased i'm like that happens to everyone but yeah. everyone i talk to is my hyper fucking... specific set of friends <laughs> yeah, who all do the exact same thing speakers. yeah <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah man no it blows my mind even going like 
there's no show I ever go to where I don't look around to see if people. I'm always checking just to be like, are these people gonna go deaf? And I'm always looking around like I'm the only fucking one wearing earplugs besides like these two guys over here. Yeah, yeah. And there's a kid with his head in the fucking subwoofer right now, just yeah, like yeah. <laughs> that's not a thing you should do. No, it doesn't make the music sound better. I don't know why people do that shit, but uh, bass is not that sick actually. If it's so sick, dude. It's only sick when it's coupled with like nice highs and shit though. Like I think bass yeah. just on its own is not that sick. I don't know. I do get the thing of like you can just go play a sine wave through a huge function stack and the way it just like vibrates your entire body is pretty satisfying. It's definitely a thing to that. Yeah, but, but I mean, why don't just go sit in a massage chair? Yeah, I mean it won't damage your hearing. Because you can't do a fuckload of K in a massage chair. Oh, I think you can. <laughs> That's true. You got to buy your own that. You could just go into sharper image. Did you hear about that? <laughs> <laughs> did, did you hear about that guy who died by doing ketamine in a float tank? Oh, what? Did yeah, you, he, that's what they're designed for. Did you know that? To do ketamine in? Yeah. I as far as my friend, okay, I don't know how true this is. Someone, Jamie, Google this, but. I don't um, think this is true. Apparently, oh god, I you need a Jamie, dude. We'll get one eventually. We'll get a Jamie. I currently am traveling around with microphones in my backpack. <laughs> like, I can't travel with a Jamie just yet. <laughs> Maybe baby if it, steps, right? If this podcast like takes off and becomes like my main thing or something, then yeah, I'll like do it from a place and have a guy. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. In the meantime, let's speculate. <laughs> yeah, speculate on if. Yeah, this this just sounds like bullshit, but maybe not. Uh, I mean, it makes sense because uh, the the idea is that the guy who invented them basically was the guy who also made like using ketamine recreationally a thing, and he designed the tank to fully disassociate. So, like, he was like, "All right, well, ketamine fucking makes me leave my body. What if I make it so I can't feel anything? So you, the thing is like the same temperature as you." Um, I can't see anything. It's completely black. No sound. No smell. Like, there take is a smell, ton though. of care. Have you ever been in a flow tank? No, I haven't. It smells yet. like salt. salt. Yeah. yeah. I've been in two. But you get used to that smell, right? Uh, it's pretty fucking salty. Because you have to float in it, right? Yeah. And the other thing is, it, it's not you can't feel anything. For like 20 minutes, you can feel every cut on your body because there's salt in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I didn't even consider that. Yeah. And like, you can feel like your pee hole burning and shit. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that sounds kind of shitty. Yeah, when you get in at first, it's like kind of concerning. Like your <laughs> asshole stings and shit, and like. <laughs> but then it's that just goes away. Or you just yeah, you get like, I your guess body's like, just like fuck it, whatever. I suppose like the salt just cleans all the shit enough that it's just like yeah, we don't sting anymore. Okay, <laughs> it's, you know, kind of like when you put dead all on a burn or a cut yeah it just kind of like fades out yeah like burns a shitload until it like gets rid of the germs or something and then it's fine i think that's how that works i don't know but anyway someone fucking died doing k in one of those yeah i think it was a while ago now but yeah that happened yeah i feel like being unconscious in a tank of water that you're basically locked in yeah it's, it's not, a fucking stupid idea yeah also i couldn't like the time i went in a flow tank uh both times i couldn't like fully get to a point where i was like not in this reality because you can touch the sides of the tank right oh, so yeah. i was just like pushing myself around the tank and shit yeah so you just like bump into the wall and be like oh yeah and then i'll just like bump myself back and like make a little game out of it and shit oh uh, you're just fucking around 
Yeah, yeah. I think you're supposed to like try and meditate in there or whatever else. You're just having the time with it. Well, I think like in my mind, I was like trying to just figure out ways to entertain myself. Whereas I think that's like the opposite. That's, of, yeah, literally not. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I can just push myself off these walls. That sounds kind of fun, though. Yeah, it is kind of fun. There's one pretty close to here, I think, like about a 10, 20 minute drive. I have a coupon for one that I've never yeah, used. You should I've been out. meaning to do it. It's pretty fun. Um, but it's also kind of like anxiety inducing. Sound, dude, that's kind of why it's like, oh, get super relaxed but it sounds fucking spooky to go get in a dark tube yeah well so here's the thing is like i just kept getting paranoid that like someone will have like so when you get in the tank it's like these big sort of iron like handle things that you pull open yeah and you could quite easily just like put a broom handle through both of them and like <laughs> you'd be locked in. so my mind is just like someone's definitely put a broom handle through this so like every 20 minutes or something i just check like check it. that the dude straight works. up though i mean as much as that's a little ridiculous like i don't and also like my phone you. was just outside of the tank so i was like is my phone still there and shit <laughs> you can't lock the door uh no because i mean they've got to like enforce the amount of time you're in there for right you can't just be in there for like six hours when you've only paid for an hour or something right and i mean some people who are like float tank addicts would probably do that <laughs> float tank addicts is that yeah. a thing i mean probably yeah it's gotta be a thing yeah i mean fuck dude there's people who like so i go to the gym right and sometimes i'll do like a one hour workout and then like 30 minutes of cardio and then like 30 minutes of stretching so that's like two hours in the gym that's a long time yeah and there'll be people who are like well into a workout, it looks like, by the time I get there and are still going by the time I leave. Like right. there's people who are just... Do it all fucking day. Yeah, they're probably in the gym for like fucking six hours a day. Like there's yeah. people who are addicted to all sorts of shit like that. So I guarantee you there's people who are like that with flow tanks. Hey, bro, you're trying to go float, lady. <laughs> yeah, totally. They're like always trying to get you to go do it. And you're like, fuck off, dude. <laughs> hey, bro, you got any spare float tickets? <laughs> uh I do want to try it though. It looks pretty dope. Yeah, it's worth trying for sure. How long have we been talking for? Well, let, let's talk about your sleep schedule. Okay. Um. So you have a pretty crazy sleep schedule. It seems like. Like, have you? Are you about to go to sleep right now? No, I just woke up. Oh, okay. Right before you got here. Oh, nice. Okay. What time did you go to bed though? <sighs> like six. Six a.m. Six a.m. So were you just writing music until six a.m.? Yeah. I last oh. night I'd stemmed down a hundred. 70 channels or some shit with hudson why because we tried to finish that tune uh in like a week because there's a week deadline for mm. the thing all oh, right so you're just like we need to make 170 stems to no 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 we were just like let's just fucking make this song and so we didn't organize it we didn't do anything and then somewhere down the line we were like okay we're gonna actually like work on this mm -hmm. and then we had 170 random bullshit channels and so spent all night getting that down to like eight stems damn so uh so both you and hudson generally have this like crazy night schedule yeah hudson is a bad influence and <laughs> me as well <laughs> so like what's the worst it gets for you sleep wise when it's flipped okay so what like you go to bed at like 8 a.m yeah when the sun is up i'll go to sleep and then i'll wake up and it's dark okay and then i'm like this is fucked yeah, it's like the opposite of what this should be happening. Yeah, and then do you feel like it fucks with your mental health, or mm, does it just make yeah. you? Does it make you feel like seedy all the time? What the fuck does seedy mean? Uh, I don't know. Like I find when I flip my schedule like that, which happens not that much these days, but it used to happen a lot when I was younger. 
it would just make me feel like fucking weird and like i wouldn't know what times to eat food and shit like that's the worst part it, honestly is i'll wake up and i won't be hungry like i didn't eat before we did that dude right. did this podcast so i'm right. fucking starving now right, right but when i first wake up it's like not even an option mm-hmm. so yeah no i definitely don't recommend it <laughs> right. it's definitely not good for my health in any way but also i get a lot of shit done you think you're more productive at night well because there's nobody around like during the day there's always like people around doing shit at this house like there's always people here Mm -hmm. and there's always like people fucking messaging me online and there's always like something that needs to be done you know are you pretty good at like um so like music is sort of a flow state thing right like you gotta do it for a minute before you're like in the vibe and then you're like kind of getting shit done and editing is like becoming more flowy and you know what i mean like once you get into like a session for a couple hours it like starts to all feel a bit better than when you first started writing i think it depends on the song yeah and are you one of those people that can just sort of like snap into that state yeah immediately yeah i'm sort of the same i feel like a lot of people can't like they need to people are fucking finicky about music yeah i I, it weirds me out honestly yeah i think um people like you and i just have like a bunch of tricks up our sleeve to like force creativity totally where it's like oh if i just render this thing enough times it'll eventually create some sort of stimulus for my brain that goes like oh now i have an idea yeah i can do something with this yeah yeah, Yeah, i think people don't they get stuck at this thing of like oh i need to make i need to pull an idea out of the ether and sometimes they can do it and when they do it's like oh i i just executed this idea in my head Mm -hmm. whereas me and you are fucking just like brute force that way yeah we're just like let's make anything and see where it goes yeah yeah exactly which i kind of find frustrating sometimes um but yeah, I it's think, not I fun all the time. Yeah, I don't think music writing has to be fun all the time if your job is being a musician. Yeah, totally. I think it's nice for it to be fun all the time, but realistically, if you're just waiting for these ideas to come out of the ether, you're not going to get a lot of albums you're not written. Gonna get anything. <laughs> I mean, yeah, even like stemming all that shit last night was, I was just pissed the whole time. <laughs> it sucks so much. We had to go through so many goddamn channels all ungrouped, and it was just like we were writing down every channel that needs to be in every stem. And I didn't want to do none of that, but that's like how you make it better. And yeah. Like that's, you got to just do the things that suck. And then as soon as you have it stem though, like the stems are in there and I'm immediately just like, boom, just like fucking doing so much shit to the tune that would have taken forever otherwise. And yeah. I don't know. I think people don't like, they get so attached to their like creative like oh i have to be in this mindset or i have to have this concept for it or like this or that i mean that's good too but you don't have to do that every time right so i was having this thought at the airport this morning um for no real reason i was just thinking about like how you kind of have to make things simple to make them complicated like let's say for instance for you to like program a simple patch in operator you had to like open a text file write down like a single line of code to be like change the volume on this oscillator by one db and then save that text file and then like upload it to a server and then it like responded that change in ableton like if that was how hard it was to do that thing on operator you would just like it would take so long to make any good sound right yeah you probably wouldn't even fucking do it well i mean let's say that was the only option and Uh, everybody was doing music that way i feel like music would be a shitload less complicated than it is now right because no one would be bothered to like 
to do these like really insanely complicated tasks to because it would be so hard to do anything it'd be so hard to do anything and it would just like you'd probably just get frustrated and get a lot less done in your work day and stuff like that but i think um like stemming stuff speaks to that a little bit where you sort of just simplify the whole thing a lot more so you can make it more complicated or more refined or whatever totally it's just way easier to deal with less elements well yeah i think and i think even now like ableton does a good job of making something that is really difficult ultimately which is making music like you can take anyone and just show them some shit and they can start playing with it you know like it's Mm -hmm. intuitive enough that that simplicity is there but you lose that really quickly when you start putting like fucking 30 effects on a channel and then hundreds of channels (laughs) it's like it becomes hard to like look at the song as a normal thing like a song because you instantly look at it and you're like, oh, all I see is just like layers and problems. and like, Yeah, an abyss of shit. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, I hear this thing that needs to be changed, but I don't know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or like exactly how to change it. Whereas like if it's in audio, you can just like cut it out or like f- put a fade yeah. on it or something. Drag it into a new channel, put a new effect on really quick. It takes one second as opposed to like, all right, I'm going to scroll through and solo five different things along here trying to find it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think you're right in that making things simpler does make um, the overall thing easier to complicate. But I also think complicating things is how you make it actually interesting. You know what I mean? I don't know about that because like sometimes you can hear some songs where it's like one really simple sample that's just like yeah. flipped in a really interesting way. So, well, not in every case, but I, yeah. I'd say if you're trying to make a sound that's like never been done before. Which I don't even know if there's much there anymore. Do you think? Sound design wise? Yeah, I think most sounds have probably been made at this point. It's an interesting question. Um, I mean, if you think about it, like we can only hear like 20,000 points of resolution at best. And most of us can't hear that many. Most of us can only hear 16,000 points of resolution, which is like a fucking insanely finite number. Yeah. Then if you think about the linear time scale, it's like, sounds are only interesting over a certain amount of time it's like you know sound design that goes over the span of like 30 seconds to a minute is not necessarily interesting as like you know a stab that goes for like four seconds or something like that yeah and i think like most movements with you know wavetables and sampling and filters and granulization and concatenation and stuff like that has like mostly been done at this point i would say yes but i'd also say there's so many like maybe just through the sheer amount of fucking people doing this you're right but i also think that there's so many combinations like there's too many permutations possible between every plugin right but then let's say like you don't count two sounds that you can make in say zebra and operator and serum like a sine wave with 15 different distortion plugins but all are essentially the same sound yeah it's very true most audio plugins are really doing the same shit yeah isn't that interesting that, I mean, you have a lot of plugins, probably more than anyone I know. Yeah, but this is the reason for that. It's because I get most of them for free. Well, yeah. Company, no. Companies give me plugins because they're like, here's basically what happens is companies are like, hey, would you like to try our synth or our effect plugin that we made um, in exchange for doing a video on your YouTube channel? And yeah. basically what I tell them is like, I'll take the plugin if it makes its way into my workflow and I think it's really sick then people will inherently see me using it on my stream and people will inherently see me maybe pulling it up in a YouTube tutorial. But I'm not just going to force out a tutorial 
just well, you because don't even just need because, to. Well, yeah. I mean, like, if you give me a plugin, I'm not just going to force a piece of content out for it if I don't like it, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, how many people do you think have bought Soothe because of you? Probably a ton. Yeah, actually. that's what I'm saying. Well, I, I, I did a plugin review on it, plus I use it, like, constantly. All the time. And I tell everyone about it because it's sick. I've almost bought it because of you. Dude, you should get it, dude. <laughs> sick. But, yeah. No, I, I know what you're saying. Like, there's definitely... Um, Okay, well, here's an interesting question that's sort of related. I mean, yeah, probably almost every sound has been made in our little spectrum of hearing. I was thinking about, so like you know how a, a, a sign or like a saw wave sounds just like clicks to us when we when you play it really low? Yeah. So if you were like a dog, you had a way wider range of hearing. I don't think they do. They do. I think they can hear really high frequencies, but I don't think they can hear like lower. I don't know about that. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe they do have a wider range of hearing. Some shit's got to be able to hear. They can lower. hear whistles we can't hear. I know that. Yeah, they so. can hear insanely high frequencies. But yeah. that that still kind of uh, encompasses my question, which is like... If I can you... hear a dog whistle, though. Really? Have you ever, yeah, have you ever had a dog whistle and blew in it? I've never had a dog whistle. No. You, you can hear it. And also, kids can hear it, too. How high up can dogs hear? I'm pretty sure it's not much higher than us, man. God damn it, Jamie. We need... <laughs> I'm I'm fucking Googling No, no, no. This, don't yeah. Google it. Okay, we'll okay, figure okay. it out later. Somebody will, like, figure it out for us. <laughs> they'll send us an email. But my question... Okay, assume it's not a fucking dog. Assume it's just anything that can hear way more than we can. Okay. Um, Like, do you think the same way that really low sounds to us just sound like clicks? Like, if you could hear a frequency that's, like, you know, like a fucking 100,000 kilohertz just some insanely high frequency do you think that the frequencies we operate in would just sound like clicks to them or do you think it'd sound the same plus more or do you think your whole perception of it shifts no i think it would sound the same plus more but i think the high ones would just become more textural and depending on like whether or not they stayed as a sound wave front or were able to transcend the sound wave front uh whatever you would call that then they would just turn into light, I think. Because light is just like a way higher frequency than sound. Right, yeah, there's a certain point. What is the, uh, <clears throat> god damn it, well, I have no idea what the highest, fre- do you know the highest possible sound frequency is? Well, the highest possible that we can hear, I would say. Not that we can hear, just that's possible to make with sound. Well, I mean, it's hard to tell, but I think like, depending on the it would depend on so many things like the speaker and stuff like that yeah that's true most speaker companies i don't think concentrate on anything above 20k well, yeah i guess why the fuck would it's you pointless yeah like why engineer that i don't know if there's much use for anything above that like what what would be the use for producing a frequency that high just to, just to see if you could <laughs> and then just what measure it with some special microphone just to be like yep it's there it's there <laughs> <laughs> well yeah because I don't know. I think it's really interesting to think about like, not even just with sound, like with sight, with every sense we have, it's like, we only really pick up some really thin band of all of that's there. Like light, we're only seeing a tiny fraction of light. Yeah. Well, it's because we only have three trichromes in our eyes or whatever the fuck. Maybe trichromes is like a weed term. We only, we only, (laughs) sorry, three cones or whatever. We have like what RGB cones in our eyes. Um, there's this thing called the mantis shrimp that has 12 cones. I saw one eyes. recently. And they just an look aquarium. Oh, you, like a real one? A re- first time I saw one. Did it look insane? Uh, its eyes look fucking crazy, honestly. Yeah, right. They're like kind of like 
translucent and like purple and yeah. like reflective a little bit. They're they really just cool. look insane in general yeah. though. All red and green and shit. Yeah, they're really colorful. Yeah. But yeah, think about what that fucking thing is seeing. Probably, yeah, a bunch of crap in the water that we don't see. Every, yeah, that's what I'm mostly saying. just hanging out in the water, right? Yeah. yeah I, I is, think, it a, is it a prey animal or a predator? It's, it fucking punches crabs and like dismembers them, dude. Oh, so it's like a full-on predator. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so I guess it's just like some ultimate predator shit where it can just see a ton of stuff. Seeing everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that changes. Like, for us, we have this whole perception of, like, the mid-range. You know what I mean? Yeah. So your mid-range frequencies would completely shift if you could hear way higher. So it makes me wonder, like... Well, would the being... So the only thing that makes the mid-range for us the mid-range, I think, is the human voice, right? Like, that's kind of where we... I think it's literally the middle of what we can hear, isn't it? 10,000 hertz? That's pretty high. Uh, I would consider well, that no, frequency. like if you think like how multiband dynamics is split up. Yeah, but that's just like I think, uh, like you mean pro MB or something like that. Yeah, just any splitter that has three bands. I think the way EQs and and multiband compressors and stuff are set up, preference the low frequency area more, just because that's more difficult to control and more important. Yeah, true. It's like way like we don't have as much resolution at on the, top the higher end. end. That's very true. That's very true. So you think it would... Also, like, an, another thing that proves this is, like, y- if I played you, like, 500 hertz and then 501 hertz, you'd be much more able, I think, to tell that, that they were two different frequencies than if I played you 17,000 hertz and 17,001 hertz. Right. Like, Absolutely, because yeah. it's closer to... And the frequencies are so fast that it starts to just sound like fucking noise to us. Yeah. But that, I guess, is my question is, like, okay, but if we could hear triple that, mm-hmm. then would that difference still be as hard to discern i think only if we existed in a species where our voices were also really high yeah sure i think because i think a lot of it would come down to like evolution and i think like we've just evolved to have really defined hearing around the mid mid because that's where everyone speaks yeah and And it does make sense very important to evolution to be able to hear what people are saying so if our voices made shrieky shrieky yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you're hearing straight dog whistle shit all the time yeah then you think that like i think our resolution like our ability to hear at a higher resolution in that range would also increase over hundreds of thousands of years of evolution right but what would that mean for how you perceive it in music i think just in general like i i I wonder if someone who could hear like is it just a point of reference thing or is that that literally what it sounds like like are we hearing objectively what a frequency at that like a song wave at this frequency actually sounds like or if there was actually a way to hear it absolute you mean like is that absolutely how it sounds to everything yeah like if i play a really low cycling saw wave does that actually sound like a note to something else or does that actually sound Mm. you know what i mean probably not but i have no idea at least not electronically generated out of speakers because the speaker also has like physical limitations where it can only like the physical that's what you're hearing as an artifact well you're hearing like the flutter of the cone at a really low frequency i think yeah Yeah, because it has the the saw has makes the speaker like reset all the way back yeah yeah so that like you hear the artifact of that so i guess that's not even really what it is but i don't know yeah i mean i think like if that like the lowest frequency produced is probably by the planet right like i'm pretty sure the earth is like humming or something at all times 
sounds legit. I wonder if like we do hear the hum of the earth, but it's just like blended in because we've just been all hearing it forever. Yeah, like when a <laughs> like when the heater turns off in your house and you're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, oh man, this fucking like a ton of weight off my shoulders. That's a really interesting thought. <laughs> like everyone's tinnitus just stops. <laughs> they just like turn off the moon. Oh my and god! And everyone's just like, oh, that's what that fucking oh, feels so much fucking better. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Cool, man. Well, yeah. that was a pretty long podcast. Um, Seems yeah. Th- thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast.